Summer of 85 is a new French-Belgian film written and directed by Francois Rosson. Have you seen any of his films before? I've heard of plenty of films he's done. I don't think I've ever really seen an Rosson film. I don't think so. Oh, really? Yeah, I actually like the director a good bit. Unfortunately, I haven't seen a lot of his films either, but I have seen Swimming Pool, which I like a yeah. good bit. Um, heard I've heard also... about that maybe. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that film. Um, it would be a good double feature with this one, I think. Um, oh, I did see one of his films, uh, Young and Beautiful. Okay, yeah. That's, is that one of his earlier ones, or is that from the late... A little later. That's that's from, like, 2012, 2013, something like Was that. Was it? Oh, okay. Maybe I'm thinking of something else then. I did see his most recent film, By the Grace of God, which... Uh, good film, but, man, that was a tough watch. Um, and this one is definitely comparatively a lot more lighthearted i will say um, yeah well it has a cure song so it's like there you any, go. any movie with a cure song i mean with in between days in particular yeah. but um i mean in our luca review we were talking about a film that i feel like is going to get hurt by people making constant call you call me by your name references and i feel like this is a film that might be hurt more by that but would you agree or disagree by that yeah, I've seen a lot of takes, you know, where people are saying this is France's answer to Call Me By Your Name. I think one review said it was an insubstantial answer to Call Me By Your Name. And then another, you know, people kind of making the, the obvious comparison. For me, France's answer to Call Me By Your Name was Portrait of a Lady on Fire, first of all. There you go. S- second of all, yes, I think, and we'll, we'll explain what this movie is about, but I do want to start with this. There is a sort of similar to how like let's let's take Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Ammonite, World to Come, these films that tackle the lesbian experience uh, through a very familiar set of rules to the point where SNL was able to parody that sort of like lesbian period drama where it really feels like every year a studio is trying to put out a lesbian period drama to win awards where they cast straight actors to sort of play these characters and do all of that, right? Yeah, no electricity. You know, there were... Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) exactly. The the jokes are like, you know, like there's only 10 words of dialogue, you know, like stuff like that. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Whereas Portrait, I think, is probably the pinnacle of those films, at least in my opinion. We've seen, you know, like Ammonite, I think, was just such a wash. I think Uh, Summer of 85... Was that a yeah. deliberate because it's by the ocean side or just in general was a wash? Yeah, whatever you want. Sure. You could d- right. take that when you will. Sure. There, there, I think in the other side of that, the other side of the spectrum where you have cinematic films about gay men, I think that there is a similar sort of thing you could parody where you have two young men. Sometimes there's a bit of it. usually like an age difference. Sometimes it's bigger, sometimes smaller who spend a summer together in a European countryside, uh, sort of, you know, a little bit more modern. And the one of them is probably bi. Like that tends to be sort of the thing that happens in a lot of these films. And I don't think that that's to take anything away from Call Me By Your Name or Summer of 85 or, you know, this sort of like familiar structure we see. And I'm just going to say, I think it's a little unfair to, to compare this to Call Me By Your Name. It's, it's, no, it's a little bit... It's like what we were saying earlier with Luca. It's like, it's like comparing two movies just because they tackle the same subject. It's Mm -hmm. like they can, I don't know. The comparisons are not that strong in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see why, um, not only in terms of like the story, but like visually they have a kind of similar, uh, look and feel to them. But, uh, especially in terms of like how they use nostalgia and to point even kind of weaponize it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I 
I feel like comparing either film to Call Me By Your Name sort of just cheapens them as opposed to makes it a valid comparison. But I can understand with both films why they are getting those comparisons, I guess. Yeah, it's understandable. I mean, <laughs> I can't deny that. So let's set this thing up. The, uh, as we sort of alluded to, and uh, yes, the title sort of gives it away. This takes place in the summer of 85, but in France. And I believe Normandy is where it takes place. And it premiered at Cannes last year. The story is that we follow this young man named Alexi, played by Felix Lefebvre. I don't know how to put it. My French, as usual, as the listeners know, is terrible, disgusting. Yeah. Um, but um, Oh, real quick. Uh, it was supposed to premiere at Cannes, I think, because they didn't have it last year. Yeah, thank you. I misspoke. Yeah. It was set to yeah. premiere at Cannes yeah. last year. Um, but, of course, the pandemic and all of that. And then, you know, it, I think it played uh, eventually at TIFF that year. But, yeah, so... This young man, Alexi, he's like 16 years old, and he's sort of spending a quiet summer in the French countryside, and one day his boat capsizes, and he is rescued by this dashing, handsome gentleman named David Gorman, played by Benjamin Voisin. And the two of them strike up a friendship. That friendship eventually becomes something a little bit more. And a lot of this movie is set over narration because Alexei is recounting this. He's a, he's a writer and he's recounting this story in the aftermath of, as the film gives away at the very, very, very beginning, that David has mysteriously died. And Alexei has done something that's uh, related to the death that could get him in a lot of trouble. And sort of the movie is sort of capturing the this, this sort of balance between the death and sexuality, identity, and coping with grief, which is probably one of the strongest things about this movie. And a lot of this film is, I'd say the first half of it is like this very sort of predictable whirlwind summer romance, but then the second half of the film becomes something a little bit more unpredictable, a little bit more, it went in some directions I wasn't expecting. And I think that's where the film really finds its footing, its uh, sea legs, if you will. And I, I came out of this film liking it, not loving it. But I think what I like about it is it has a very French New Wave sort of sensibility. It's sort of trying to capture probably more the post-French New Wave. I'd say probably closer to not the time period, but more like the 70s of French independent cinema, which uh, we didn't mention when we were talking about the Sparks Brothers, but lovely parody of the French New Wave in that film, I want to point out. But no, this this movie is, like you're saying, it's capturing a nostalgia of that time. It's using a lot of the film techniques of that time as well. There's not a lot of stuff here that's very modern, except for how avant-garde it is about a homosexual relationship between two men in Europe, which is something that I just don't think would have come out in this way back then. But we're sort of seeing like, what if we had gotten a movie like this in the 1980s or earlier. And so that's something that I appreciate about it. I don't love it because I think that it's still a little bit too derivative. I think that there, and I think there are parts of it that are just a little bit shaggy in the way where they, they really portray this, this romance and this misunderstanding and sort of a rushed fashion. I think stuff happens in this that does feel a little rushed. Maybe that's intentional. Maybe that's sort of speaking to how life is. And uh, so I, I sort of understand that to a point, but what, what did you think, Will? I think it seems like critics like this, uh, but some people really hate it. I, it had a, I think Odie Henderson gave it a one-star review on RogerEbert.com, and some people are really looking at this and saying it's it's just sort of, uh, it, it's like, it feels like parody to them of a movie that could be much better. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I can't really speak for them per se, but um, I'll be honest, I, I actually was quite taken by this film. I can understand... Um, 
why, as you were mentioning, it is somewhat derivative of other films, LGBT films uh, in this vein. And I'm not saying that does anything wholly original with the the premise or the concept. But I, I think what really stands out to me is how much this film, sort of similar to Luca, is able to be so vibrant and full of life in its presentation. I mean, for one, it looks gorgeous. It's um, shot on 60-millimeter film, and I, I think yeah. that's for the better. Uh, I, I think just the, how crisp it looks, like the way it just, like, it feels like you're like you're in the sun with these characters throughout right. uh, is great. I love the environment of the film. Like, it feels like you're just constantly kind of, like, immersed in the, like, sea waves coming through and stuff like that. And I did find the relationship at its core be uh, very rich and lush in its presentation. I, I actually, the thing you're talking about where you felt it was rushed, I feel like that was appropriate because, like, as the movie mentioned, so it was like, it was only six weeks. Like, the movie is supposed to, like, it, right. yeah, I mean, it feels like it's like a summer long, but it's only like a month and a half, maybe, that these two characters uh, grew so passionate, so close to one another. And I think the movie is really good about capturing that feeling of when you're, like, with somebody and it just, like, the world, like, sort of stops and then you just, like, you're with them person and like it just feels like the like there's like this bountyless sort of like love and like exuberance to the world and uh, i think it captures that feeling really well in a very evocative way that like i said not terribly new or something that hasn't been done in several other films in its fame but i think for what it's trying to do it does that very well yeah it does a good job of like making you forget that you know the film opens with us knowing that one of these characters is dead you know it doesn't tell us how it doesn't tell us why but I think that because it's such an escapist romance, you forget. And then I think where this film really, like I said before, really just transforms into something a little bit deeper, a little bit more interesting for me at least, is when it it just kind of goes down the aftermath of all of this. And there's, I think, a lovely you know, relationship between Alexi and a character, I won't say who it is, that kind of blossoms in the second half of this movie that I found really touching. And there were some things that I was like a little, I was feeling a little cold from, particularly the relationship with his parents. And I think that uh, Alexi's parents, I I think there was something there, there was something to be said there about how it felt, maybe it is appropriate there too, for it to be understated in a way and for it to be a lot about what's unsaid. But I appreciated uh, at least that this movie, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's a a pretty brisk movie. And I I think that's a good point you bring up about how it does feel a little bit purposeful in the way that it's making this summer romance feel all the more fleeting and abrupt, especially. I forgot to mention too, this is partly based on a novel from 1982 called Dance on My Grave by Aiden Chambers. And I'll just mention one of my favorite musical moments of 2021 will probably be this film's use of sailing the Rod Stewart song which is just so lovely it's a it really is like a spellbinding scene that yeah, uh, gets evoked there yeah yeah um yeah i mean i, I think because the film is also still fresh for me i i'm probably still kind of uh caught in the glow of it a little bit but um yeah i mean i i, I like i said i think what it's trying to do it does very well as for the parents um I don't know. I, I was feeling that way until like the last like 20 or 30 minutes when I think it that relationship really sort of crystallized for me. And I, th- I think the performances there are good about like establishing a sort of like emotional distance, but like a desire to like want to be in their kid's life in a way that, that I think it, it didn't really click for me earlier in the film. But when it got to that point, I, I thought it was pretty touching and, uh, and, and well done. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say that this film is going to do anything that, that hasn't been done in several other films either better or worse but 
uh, at the end of the day, I, I think it succeeds in what it's trying to do, and it does that well. Yeah, I think the thing I appreciate about it, too, is that it's not afraid to really showcase the positivity of this relationship. You know, it, it, it's not doing too much, like, tragic melodrama and melancholy with these characters. It really is, like, showing them at their best. And it's know, there's there's a lot of beauty to it. I yeah. worry that, yeah, some people will watch it and be a little bit like, eh, you know, meh. You know, I, I, I expect that'll happen for some people. But I, I am kind of trying to figure out because I'm caught in the glow as well. I just watched this like you did, you know. I, I don't know how people are going to react. If, I don't know, like, which type of people will watch this and get out of it what I think the film wants them to get out of it. Yeah, but I think one thing I do really appreciate about the romance is that it's, it is very clear that it's coming from his written perspective, which is obviously going to be very nostalgic for reasons that become clear early on. But at the same time, it does like you you understand like the like the the earnest real emotion of the the scene, while recognizing that it is like meant to be a little bit skewed, like a little bit um, uh, from his perspective in a way that that that's doesn't always seem fully honest. It like, seems a little heightened at times, but not in a way that makes it feel false or insincere. I think that's a pretty good balance that the film strives. I agree with that. And I think ugh, this film's ending, it's not as good as Call Me By Your Name. I know we shouldn't be making all those like easy comparisons or whatever, but this film's ending... Ugh. It, that's what pushed it for me. You know, I was a little bit undecided. I was a little bit like, do I really like this movie as much as I do? You know, how are they going to like really stick the landing here? And just like the last few minutes of this movie where I really like that is that is character growth. That is a character arc simple and through. And the thing I didn't love about the movie is there there's sort of stuff that they kind of weave in, you know, with like a teacher and everything that has to do with like Alexi, like writing the novel and like processing his grief through writing and things like that. I think is interesting, but I felt a little half baked to me. Yeah. Um, how did you feel? It kind of felt like those were the moments that interest the filmmaker the least. Just like they, they might have been almost a little perfunctory in terms of their presentation. I don't think they're ever bad, but just or maybe kind of obligatory. Like, like maybe they were the uh, things that were a little bit like because he's he's done it in other films for, as far as I understand, sure. right? And almost like kind of in, inserting this because he feels like he should almost. I guess, yeah. I mean, I I just found it to be like it, it is purposeful. Like I don't think it. Um, is without purpose like in terms of like what it's trying to do but i just felt like okay. those moments uh weren't as interesting to ozon at this point so he just like all right let's get these out of the way and then we'll get back to the romance <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i think the pacing though still kind of works like i didn't i didn't feel like when they were kind of cutting back and forth between the flash forward and the flashbacks i thought that all kind of worked out pretty well and yeah i don't have too many complaints besides that i think that yeah this movie is pure eye candy and i think that when it's at its best it's really moving and sincere about what its characters are going through it has a really positive message about you know kind of kind of dealing with you know kind of similar to luca you know where it's like sort of like moving on from a certain chapter in your life finding the strength to do that it goes a little bit further in that department for sure but i think the real spice of this movie is the music probably i think that uh, it doesn't have sufjan stevens but yeah it, it does have just like really really solid needle drops doesn't overuse them <laughs> and uh, it, it definitely has a club scene in here that uh, i personally am obsessed with so for that reason uh, i'm i'm definitely a lighthearted fan of this one i'm gonna give it a b all right uh yeah i mean i think uh as best this movie did kind of remind me of what i love about films from 
the filmmakers like Xavier Dolan or Pedro Almodovar, where it just it, it captures like that very uh, vivid point in someone's uh, lives, where like there's this sort of like open endedness in terms of like their youth, or like like they they refine some sense of their uh, personality that just kind of comes alive thanks to another person, and uh, I think. At its best, that the movie really captures that feel and what I love about movies from those filmmakers. And uh, I mean, I can't fully compare it to other Ozan films, but um, I, I do really appreciate how he presents like sensuality and like how characters can like feel so intertwined with one another while not fully knowing one another. And like that, that, that sort of like almost like voyeurism at times. I think he's really good uh, at capturing that feeling in his film, especially in like the first half of this film. Um, yeah, just. I think it's it's a, a good solid little film, uh, and I'll give it a light but pretty warm B plus. All right, well, some solid recommendations from the two of us. I definitely think it's worth checking out myself, and it is now playing in North America. I think it's playing theatrically at the moment. It might might be available in some virtual cinemas. I'm not sure, but I know it's going to be released in France next month, uh, July. 4th. Oh, no, sorry. It was released in France uh, last year. Uh, misspoke yeah. there. It, uh, it came out last July. So we're, we're getting it a bit late, but, uh, you know, better late than never. Yeah. And it is just 100 minutes long. Another 100 minute long film. That is the uh, the theme of uh, this week, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it does uh, it, it does feel appropriate to bookend uh, Luca with this film, I feel like, in many ways. Uh, right. Yeah. I kind of yeah. did that on purpose a little bit. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to subscribe to Cinemaholics on your favorite podcast app of choice or find us on YouTube. See you all next time.